0: I can't feel my f- fingers anymore. light lie, they're, they're, they're numb. Maybe you should wear these extra gloves. My hands are starting to get sweaty. The hands on the it.
1: backhand towards the goal. Loose puck, everybody scores. Can you believe it? Defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Game! Series! Toronto has won! BOSCA! BOSCA! I'm so happy he's on my team. He drafted a 2 home. Signing into a 20-year deal now. Hey everybody! Welcome back to another episode of Frostbite Sports, brought to you by Blue Collar Media Group. I'm Harrison Brooks, and as always, I'm joined joined by my co-hosts Jet Folk and Miles Bloomquist.
0: What's up? I'm sporting the California Golden Seals. You know why, Harry?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sporting the Depression stash because uh, you know why, Harry. <laughs> I do. I do on both of those accounts. Uh, But we got a great show for you today. We'll be talking some fantasy football takes, uh, some NBA NBA playoffs, and uh, of course the NHL playoffs. Uh, So let's jump right in with a couple quick questions that I got for you guys. So Miles, we got the news a couple days ago about Washington's running back Darius Geis, got arrested for domestic violence, and then 20 minutes later, I think, got cut from the team. Uh, What do you... What do you think the fantasy implications are of this situation?
2: Fantasy-wise, oof, that's a tough question. Obviously, you're going to think Adrian Peterson's got to be the lead back there again. Um, it's going to be interesting to see him take over once again, being a full-time starter pretty much, because um, the backup there is probably going to be Antonio Gibson out of Memphis, a guy I really liked coming out of the draft. I followed him along in Memphis. He's not really a traditional running back. He's more like a Christian McCaffrey-type player. He can play like a wide receiver. He can catch the ball and go and get 30, 40 yards after the catch, but he can also run in between the tackles and take like 10 to 15 carries a game. So I'm going to be really, really intrigued to see how they incorporate him into the system. But another guy I'm also interested to see is Bryce Love out of Stanford who came in, to start the year after Christian McCaffrey got drafted and just absolutely shattered every record there in his in um, in his first year as a starter. Missed his second year as a starter because of injury, and then he also missed his rookie year because of injury. So, I mean, he's kind of dealt with that injury bug, but now that there's no clear lead back here. Um, I think, if anything, Bryce Love, uh, by the end of the season, becomes the workhorse. Adrian Peterson, kind of, you know, with age, obviously, he'll start to slow down towards the end of the season, if not by week eight. Um, but I think you see Bryce Leff become the main guy there, taking those 20 carries a game, whereas Antonio Gibson operates more like this, I don't want to say a Walmart version of Christian McCaffrey, because I feel like that's kind of like degrading his talent, because he's actually really talented in that way, but definitely going to play like a Christian McCaffrey, and obviously Ron Rivera knows exactly how to work around that.
1: So, Jed, Antonio Gibson, he's already been a sleeper pick. A lot of people were uh, banking on him a long time, and I'm expecting now he's going to – shoot up the the draft boards is is he the guy or is with adrian peterson there and bryce love like is is it going to be a false hope kind of thing
0: i think for uh like strictly fantasy football uh reasoning you're gonna want to dra- draft adrian peterson just for, like the early part of the season because you know that he will be the future back to start and you know what you're getting out of him um but later on i think you could maybe snagging Antonio Gibson just to fill out a late roster spot hold on to him see what they do and uh I mean I was never really intrigued with the Washington backfield to begin with even with Darius Geis because I mean he was starting to get known as jello legs anyways so I don't know it's it's a tough backfield but I understand too that you got to fill out rosters and I'd probably be eyeing up AP for
1: early season uh impact so moving on to the NBA now uh Uh, Jets so we saw Ben Simmons of the 76ers and uh, Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic both those guys went down with injuries they'll be they won't be playing in the playoffs Uh, the Magic just clinched the eighth seed in the west 76ers are locked up in the sixth spot as of right now Uh, what's the takeaway here with these big injuries
0: well I think with the Sixers like you might as well eliminate them already Uh, they're really not in a good spot right now Uh, there's not too many guards that can do what Ben Simmons does on the glass. That's like next to irreplaceable. And uh, you add in the fact that he averages about eight eight assists a game. I don't know that Shake Milton can come and start and do that for them. I guess they they don't lose a whole ton in shooting, obviously, because Ben himself isn't much of a shooter. But he can get to the rim, which uh, definitely helps scoring-wise. And uh, I don't know. I guess it just comes down to I don't think they have a facilitator to really – get that team to click the way Ben could. As far as Isaac goes, I don't know that it's necessarily as important of an injury. Uh, It's more of a depth loss. Like he is an incredible player and he's going to very well be a starter in the league. It's just, he's maybe not quite there yet. Uh, They've got a guy in Aaron Gordon that can step right up into that role. In fact, he's probably about equal to what Jonathan Isaac is right now. So uh, it's tough because you want to have depth when you're in the playoffs, but they'll be all right in that sense. The other notable injury that I wanted to touch on was Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, Because as we're probably going to get to down the line here, um, Memphis, they're in that eighth spot. They're trying to hold off uh, Portland. And when you lose a stud like that, it can be tough. They got Brandon Clark filling in for now, but can he hold the reins for these last couple games?
1: And that that leads into uh, the next point here where uh, the magic have eight seed locked up in the east. We're still waiting on two teams, trailblazers and Grizzlies uh, to figure out who's going to be 8th seed in the West you know, and here's the kicker where Portland they play the Mavericks and the Nets and Memphis they they have to go through Boston and Milwaukee still in their last two games. You know you talked about that injury are we are we still on board on Portland uh stealing that spot away from them
0: i can't imagine that they're going to have a whole ton of trouble. Uh, my concern for them was obviously coming up against the Mavericks because they uh, are still trying to climb seeds yet too. And Luka and Porzingis are rolling right now. Luckily, Portland can score quite a bit too. of Nurkic has looked phenomenal since he's returned. And uh, so maybe they can just go toe to toe and win a game like the Rockets did at 151-147 or whatever it was. and Uh, hold them off in that sense in regards to the Grizzlies however I'm a little bit worried uh, that well for Portland's sake anyways I'm a little bit worried that Milwaukee's going to end up just sitting guys which would make sense right you already are locked into your spot so what's the use of potentially getting an injury to a guy like Giannis or Middleton Um, Boston will probably still be firing yet so it's going to be an interesting last four games for those two teams
1: Oz what do you think about this?
2: man I'm not even really that worried about the Grizzlies or the Trailblazers because I actually don't think either of those teams end up in that eight spot I think either the pick I thought uh, would end up stealing that eight spot the Spurs will make it in or the freaking riding hot Suns are going to make it to that eight spot Um, the Suns sit what two and a half games no one and a half games back and the Spurs are one game back meanwhile the Trailblazers are half a game back so um there's three games left I believe uh among all those teams maybe two I don't know uh, exactly I know the Suns have three left because they're currently five and no in the bubble which is insane um no one expected that out of Phoenix and when a team's riding that hot uh and you know the team like the Grizzlies who's been playing super cold and obviously now you lose Jaron Jackson um I just don't think the Grizzlies hold on to that spot I don't think the Blazers take it. They're just so hot and cold. It's like they start off terrible, then they finish great, but they still lose the game. Like I, I remember the game against Boston because I watched that. Um, they were just terrible in the first half. They came back, but at that point, it's like, oh well, too little, too late, Portland. And I think that's the the big storyline for them. It's too little, too late. They, they they were terrible to start the season, and now that there's all of a sudden this bubble and they have a chance to make the playoffs, they're kind of just squandering it still. So. I don't think that those two teams are the ones we're talking about in the playoffs. Uh, I think it'll be either the Spurs or the Suns.
1: And, uh, well, as, as exciting as it'd be for the Suns to, to sneak in there, um, you know, they, they're gonna, they need to win out and they need, they need some help still. So that's a, they're a long shot, but, uh, I've one last question for you guys and going to use it as kind of a segue into our main topic today. So flames were the first team to advance, uh, to the round of 16 in the West. They beat Winnipeg in four games, and so I know it's a regular season award, but we've seen bias from the writers who vote on these in the past. Do you guys think Hellebick's play in the playing round will affect his chance of winning the Vesna? Rask already, Rask already had the easy – he was already the easy choice based on his basic stats. Hellebick had the better advanced stats, and we all thought that he deserved it more. But after that playing round, do you guys think that, uh, that it's going to affect the voting? I mean,
2: for me personally, I know they always say, oh, it's a regular season award. It's always based on the regular season. But I think playoffs always have an influence on, uh, you know, awards, because if you get it and you just bust in the playoffs, I mean, normally it still works out pretty well. Like, thank Lamar Jackson last year. Obviously, he locked up the MVP pretty early on. But even though he busted in the playoffs, he still got it. Um, But when you're a guy like Hellebuck, it's not a guarantee for you, even though you When you look into it, Hellebuck's probably the better goaltender this year, and then your team busts. It's not really your fault because I mean, your team's injured, your team's banged up, and you already had a terrible defense. So when your top two of your three forwards aren't playing, um, it's gonna really hurt your chances. So I mean, it kind of was just out of Hellebuck's control, and that sucks. And I think that will affect um, the odds that he wins the Vesna. And I already think it wasn't in his favor because even though he is the better goaltender this year. Rask just looks prettier with the numbers and obviously you know I think it was Jet that pointed this out but it might have been you Harry um you know how many more shots does Rask have left right this could be the last time he's in the Vesna conversation meanwhile Hellebuck will be in it next year again so I don't think that uh Hellebuck pulls it out this year I think it'll go to Rask
0: yeah I I think uh the the play-in is definitely going to factor in and it's I don't exactly have specific examples of why I think the playoffs factor in, but I do have examples of why I know that the voting crew sucks. <laughs> and so here we go. In 02, I'm sure Harrison remembers Jerome Ginla got absolutely snubbed for the Hart Trophy. Was it probably the best forward in the entire NHL for two, three years at the time. And uh, one of the Quebec voters just completely left him off the ballot to skew the MVP award, and it went to Jose Theodore. So that's just one example of some BS. Uh, In 1989, Mario Lemieux had 31 more points than Wayne Gretzky, but Wayne Gretzky's the face of the league, so they hand it over to him. And in uh, 1996, the Vesna Award, Dominic Koscik finishes eighth in voting with a 920 save percentage and a 283 goals against you can't make this stuff up like there's these, these, I don't know what goes into the voting process, what, what they're thinking when they're doing this stuff, but it's not good. So to say that play in could implicate something. Absolutely.
1: I, I don't doubt that for a moment. And the more I see stats uh, of hash the more I think this guy, I think he was the best goalie of all time. Honestly, like he doesn't have the uh, notoriety that Broder does just because of that. But uh, like, you look at his stats playing on some of the worst teams, and he was putting up like 930 save percentages every year kind of thing on like some of the worst teams in the league. That guy was insane, and I never, I never really gave him as much credit as he deserves, but he was fantastic. Before we get into talking about the NHL playoffs, I want to tell you about one of Blue Collar Media Group's sponsors, Aquamarine Diving. This is Bali's premier aquamarine experience. They are a five-star resort located north of the Kuta Legion area in Bali. And they're the only British owned operated dive center in the country. Aquamarine's focus is to provide both high quality service and the best possible diving for their guests. And I know it might be hard to get over there in the near future. Uh, but if you do find yourself over there and you want to go for a dive, make sure you let them know that blue collar media group sent you. And now without further ado, let's get into our main event. So the playoff round is, or the play in round is over. The real playoffs start today. If you had to choose one or two things from the play in round as a whole, that really stood out to you, what would they be? I'll, I'll start with you, Jet.
0: Uh, well, one thing that really stuck out to me was uh, just last night going through social medias and seeing the the sky is falling, the sky is falling in Toronto, and how nobody seems to comprehend that there was another team in the series. You do understand that. like John Tortorella is one of the greatest coaches the league's ever seen with two incredibly hot goaltenders that, the only reason that that got to five games was because a three-minute slip-up uh, by Mers Lincolns. Like, the, it's, you, you meet a hoggle, you meet a, a well-rounded team, you meet a great coach. Sometimes you just lose. That's how sports work, and everybody's going off about, oh, Dubas and his analytics and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's like, no, you just lost a series. You're going to lose series. It happens. The other one being Philly sweeping the qualifiers tourney with the top four teams. I thought that was very impressive. And I, I would have to double check, but I think they, they only allowed like three or four goals in three games. So that's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I'd like to see what they can do next round.
1: Yeah, they look good. Miles, what stood out to you? Mm, Definitely that I don't
2: think any of those play in teams are going to make it very far. I think it's going to, we're talking about Boston, Tampa, Dallas, Vegas, and um what was the other team st louis and uh and philly sorry um i think those are the teams that uh are going to be contending for the cup when it all comes down to it because just from what i saw lots of great things to love in the play-ins but also a lot of things that give you concerns i mean you mentioned it before jet um mers yes he's been hot and so has corpus Allo, but you know a three-minute slip up meant that they had to go to a game five. And I mean, if you go to a game seven against uh, Tampa Bay, I don't know if they could pull it out. I mean, like Columbus got, I, this is actually be interesting to see Columbus and Tampa Bay again, because obviously we remember last year Columbus slept them. So Tampa Bay is probably out for blood right now. You cannot slip up against these guys. They will fricking destroy you if you let them get an advantage on you. And they already have the advantage in terms of skill and in terms of goaltending. So I, I think that, there's a lot of disadvantages to the teams that we're playing in the play-in, and I don't think we're going to be talking about those teams when it comes to the Stanley Cup.
1: I was so mad uh, that Columbus didn't finish it off in four because that probably would have been the greatest day of my life to have Edmonton and Toronto bounced in the same same day. But those, are, those were the two things that stood out to me. I loved every second of that. But what made it even better is uh, there's a hot dog restaurant. I don't know if you guys have seen this. There's a hot dog restaurant called the Wiener's Circle in Chicago, and they had a promotion called They Fight a Canadian, You Get a Hot Dog. Basically, if any Blackhawk player fought any player on the Oilers, they would just give up free hot dogs to whoever, to whoever showed up to their restaurant. And the video that they posted for it is pretty awesome. I'm going to play it for you guys right now. Hockey is
0: back. And the Hawks are taking on the Oilers. Only we can't pound on the glass, scream over the anthem, harass the players in the penalty box. In fact, we can't say anything. So on behalf of the entire city of Chicago, allow us to say.
2: You maple syrup sucking, over friendly, beady-eyed little fuckers. Your whole long john wearing country is softer than some fucking mounty ball sack.
0: This August, the Wiener Circle's here to fight for us against Edmonton.
2: Edmonton? the fuck is Edmonton anyway? Edmonton sounds like a guy with a tiny ass dick.
0: So whenever the first fight breaks out, they're giving all Chicago a free hot dog the next day. Introducing, they fight a Canadian. You get a hot dog.
2: You motherfuckers even eat hot dogs up there? I know you eat Tim Hortons poutine or some shit, eh?
0: That is the best thing I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> that was pretty good, right? And Von has, like, a deal with a
0: tiny-ass dick.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was, that was amazing. I hope I hope a lot of – actually, I don't even know how many fights were in that series, but I hope some people got some free hot dogs out of that thing because that was, that was awesome. That's clutch right on. Good for them. So, uh, Miles just actually brought it up, but moving on to the first round of the official playoffs – Things get kicked off. First game of the day today is uh, Columbus versus Tampa Bay. This is a rematch of the shocking upset from last year's first round. Well, one of them. And so what what I want to know from you guys is, do the Blue Jackets have any chance here at all? And, you know, does Hedman's potential injury play into that?
2: Um, I mean, obviously Columbus has a chance here. They swept them last year. You cannot go into this and say Tampa Bay – is absolutely going to come out here and win, because that's what everyone said last year, and they ate their fucking words the day after. Um, So, yeah, Columbus absolutely is a shot to win this, but when you have these slip-ups within three minutes, like Merzlikens had against um, Toronto, you can't have that against Tampa Bay, because, you know, if they get two games on you, they get three games on you, it's not going to be in Columbus's favor anymore. I'll go into it and say this is in Columbus's favor, because they have their number right now, but... If you let Tampa Bay get that two-game advantage on you, nah, Clevis is out.
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as uh, the Blue Jackets go, uh, I think that they lost a lot of potency in the most recent offseason as far as offense goes. But Corpusalo and Merz Lankins both have shown that they can take games over. Uh, I think that this is very much a matter of can Vasilevsky match? which he's very much capable of doing. He's in the Vesna conversation for a reason, but um, losing Hedman could be tough. And I don't know if the injury's diagnosed yet or what it is, but if he's out for a long stretch, that could really hurt that team because he is an anchor offensively on that blue line. Luckily they do have some depth at the defensive position, but none bring even close to the kind of firepower that Hedman can. And, he's notably one of the best defensive defensemen in the league as well. So it's just it's, – it's a huge loss for sure.
1: Yeah, I was just going to bring that up too. His defensive play is pretty much equal to his offensive play and how important it is to their team. So hopefully he's not out too long. Even if he is, I still think i give it to Tampa Bay, but it just will be a, a lot of tighter of a series if he's not there. Sticking in the East though, we also have Carolina versus Boston. And this is my favorite matchup in the East. You know, and if this one doesn't go to seven, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed. But I still think Boston's going to win this one. But Carolina, if, they, if Boston plays like they did in the round robin, Carolina's going to take this out. They need to find another gear because Carolina's a damn good team. And uh, they got a lot going for them right now. They played great in their play-in series. If Boston can't do it, they're going to push them right to the edge. And, and uh, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch. What do you think about this series, Miles? Oh,
2: man. Another rematch. Interestingly enough, uh, obviously the Eastern Conference finals last year, Carolina and Boston. Can Carolina pull off the upset this time? I mean, they were a shocker last year. They're not as much as a shocker this year. Uh, obviously, guys like Ahos, Svechnikov, uh, Tara Teravina, Man, those are just three guys I am just in love with. Like, try, like if I were to make a top 10, all three of those guys go in there. Definitely some of my favorite players in the league. And I like Carolina. That's a great team to like root for. So I would love to see Carolina come up with this upset, but Boston's just so hot. Well, they were until the qualifying round and then they, what, they kind of bombed it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's actually going to be interesting to see if Boston is ready for this because they did not look ready in those qualifying rounds after being so great all season. Can Rask, you know, be this Vezina winner that he's probably going to end up being can Bergeron, you know, get back to playing like a freaking Selkie winner. It's gonna definitely be interesting, but an energy or an energetic team like uh, Carolina going up against a less energetic team like Boston in playoff hockey—never a good formula for the under or the non-energetic team. I honestly think Carolina gets the upset this time around.
0: It goes back to what I was talking about a few episodes ago, where I brought up the idea that are these qualifying games for the top four teams? going to maybe throw off some mojo here because you know you're coming off some losses in Boston's case or yeah yeah a couple losses in Boston's case and um, you're coming up against one of the hottest teams in hockey in Carolina who just finished no problem sweeping the Rangers so I don't know I I do know that Tuka Rask is on a whole nother level than Peter Morazic but I mean if Carolina is just Coming in hot, what do you what do? you do? Offensively, they're going to be all over Rask, so if he's not sharp, they could take a quick early lead. This is, in my opinion, the closest of the series is because I'm pretty definitive on the rest of my choices, but I think Carolina might just pull this upset
1: off. Dude, I don't think it would shock really anyone if Carolina wins this series. I, I like to feel that Boston, I mean, they've been to the Eastern Conference Final, the Stanley Cup Final so many times. This team, it's like uh, it's like when LeBron gets in the playoffs or like the, last, the regular season doesn't matter to him. He knows what he's doing in the playoffs kind of thing. I think that's kind of what their mindset is, why they couldn't get up for the games in the playing round or in the round robin. So I think they do have another gear, but yeah, if they don't, uh, yeah, Carolina is going to walk away with this one. I'm uh, I'm taking Boston, but it's going to be close. Seven games for sure for me. As for the other matchups on, on day one, we have my boys, the Flames taking on Dallas. You know, they, this was you know, there's, I don't, I don't think maybe you guys have a different opinion. I don't think there's a real uh, underdog in this series. They're only separated by three points in the regular season. You know, what, what do you guys think about this one?
0: I absolutely think there's an underdog and it's the apparent overdog in Dallas. I don't think that they're coming in hot whatsoever. They looked shaky at best in the qualifier games against the other top four teams or top three, I suppose. And they look, old and tired already the playoffs are just starting calgary looks like that classic west playoff team they're strong and physical they're high powered their attendees hot and like i just can't see calgary having a whole lot of trouble with this dallas team
1: yeah and jamie ben is a shell of his former self so he's i don't think i don't know if he's has got another gear left to go uh this is definitely the best best possible matchup for the flames but everyone thought colorado was the best possible matchup last year too and that didn't seem to work out uh <laughs> Miles, what do you think about this series?
2: Oh, yeah. I'm big on Calgary in this one, which I hate to say. Uh, But, I mean, in the West, you cannot – like, this was puzzling to me all fucking season long. Why did they go old veterans that are way past their prime to push them into the playoffs? It was so questionable to me. Because in the East, you could probably get away with that. In the East, I feel like they play a little bit slower. Definitely a little more reliance on defense and goaltending. Like a team like the Islanders, Boston, obviously – um, but in the West, all the energy, all the speed—you can, you gotta keep up. Like, I mean, obviously, first thing comes to mind: Edmonton, one of the fastest lines in the league with Anthony, CU, and McDavid and Drysital. Like, you know, Pavelski and fucking Ben and Sagan are not gonna keep up with that. Uh, look at Calgary, though. Calgary just fricking put up six goals and like five goals and four goals against one of the best goaltenders in the league, and you're gonna think that Ben Bishop is gonna fricking stop them? Not uh Calgary all the way for this one, um Dallas just just looks like a slug right now, and Calgary's going at full uh like a hundred percent speed right now, if not a hundred and ten percent.
0: another storyline to keep an eye on, just a quick note about Dallas is that Ben Bishop might have covid
1: that could be oh, huge yeah. both both him and Sagan were uh unfit to play in a couple of their round robin games, so just and they're not releasing any details right now, so you know it's hard to tell what if it's just a minor tweak or something like that or if they're going to be out for a long time so i'm i'm feeling pretty optimistic about the flames i think they're i, I don't think this one's going seven you know it's not in flames nature to put a team out in in uh, 5 4 or 5 so i'm going to go with uh, flames and 6 for this this one but uh to wrap up tuesday's games the final matchup is between chicago and vegas chicago they beat they beat edmonton that was technically an upset they're pretty similar uh the way the teams are built is was pretty similar though not a lot going on defense or goaltending just straight up offense do we think Chicago has any more left in the tank or was this kind of just like a you know good for you you made the playoffs and now they're gonna bow out first round
2: I mean I'll I'll start this one here I mean when we were talking about the plans before I was like Chicago's the one team I don't want to play Chicago's the one team that if they get going they get going Chicago is uh, a former dynasty Chicago has many of the pieces from that dynasty still, especially the two main guys, Taves and Kane. Um, Like Kubelak, or Kubelak, I don't know how to pronounce his fucking name. Um, Yeah, really impressed me in that series against Edmonton. Like, I mean... I understand why he's the Calder nomination that isn't named Makar or Hughes. And I mean...
1: Yeah, if, we were all if, trashing him, but he, he looked really good. I agree. Yeah, like,
2: you. I mean, I never heard of this guy. I fucking thought he was on Ottawa for the longest time. I was like, oh, shit, he's on Chicago. Uh, wow, I wish he wasn't on Chicago, wish he was on uh, fucking Ottawa, not in the playoffs right now or in the play-in round. He's a great goal scorer. He can move the puck. He's fast. And when you're playing with Kane and Taves, yeah, you need that. the um, Cat actually kind of... He didn't really impress me, but he looked better than he did for much of the season. And like I said, if the green cat gets going, that's another goal scorer that you don't want to face. Obviously, Kirby Doc.
1: Kirby Doc is a man now. Yeah. He looks so good. Like yeah. he's yeah. he's gonna be a real-time player soon. Yeah.
2: Chicago's just got so many good pieces right now. You can stop one line, but then they got two more lines that can just score like the first line. Um, so going up against probably the best goaltending tandem in the league. With uh, Flurry and Leonard, that's going to be a one hell of a matchup. And obviously, you want to think goaltending always wins, but uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's such a hard pick for me. I think Chicago gets the upset here because like I said, I'm going to stick to it. Chicago is not the team you want to face right now. And if they're hot right now, they just were lighting up Edmonton and yeah, Edmonton's goaltending is nothing like Vegas, but that doesn't matter because once you start feeling good, you feel good no matter who you're playing. Chicago is going to probably steal this series.
0: Yeah. What worries me about Chicago is just that we're starting to see some old flashes of what Crawford once was because he was a pretty capable goalie at one point in his career, believe it or not. And, um, (laughs) Another thing is that Johnny Taves right now looks like like Captain Serious, like he's he's all in, and that's a worry for any defender that has to go up against him because he'll win every puck battle. He'll go to the gritty spots, and he will find a way to get the puck in the net no matter who the goalie is. I am taking Vegas here just barely. Um, my reasoning is just that uh, they're a lot more well-rounded. They're they're just the kind of team that's like a next man up mentality always. Uh, no real superstar, but rather just a bunch of really good players put together and they work well together. A lot of these guys are getting used to how each other plays. And so, uh, yeah, I I think there's a reason that they're that one seed and why they're going to get through Chicago.
1: Yeah, it's it's super nice to be able to see uh, Taves playing some meaningful games again. It's been too long and he's, a, he's just a treat to watch in the playoffs. But I got to go with Vegas. Like you said, Jet, The next man up mentality, the team game. Chicago got lucky that they could just play a team that they can just go all out offense on and and just try and hope to win in shootouts. Uh, Vegas isn't going to give them that opportunity. Um, I think it's going to be Vegas and five, honestly. I don't think Chicago has, you know, they're going to win one game by a lot, I bet, but then the rest of them are going to be lower scoring and Vegas is going to grind them out. Before we get into the day two matchups on Wednesday, we want to take a quick moment to talk about a new sponsor, Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app that's doing things a little differently. They took out the hours of research needed to find the hidden gems that you know no one else knows about because they keep it to the top tier players. You're betting on the best guys in the league. It's best on best. Spend your cap, build your roster, and win money. If you download the app now, deposit some money, minimum $20, and put in the promo code BCMG, you'll receive a bonus $20 from Thrive. So what are you waiting for? Download the app, put in the promo code BCMG, And start winning money today. All right, moving on to day two of the playoffs. Uh, We're going to keep it in the Western Conference to start here. We got Arizona versus most people's trendy contender pick, Colorado. Uh, Miles, you predicted Arizona to upset Nashville. Uh, Any chance that they can upset Colorado now? Yeah, and I'm very fucking proud of that one because no one believed that Arizona could take down Nashville
2: um, but I'm obviously joking. I remember when we were talking, we all thought that Arizona definitely had a chance and you know it kinda of came down to whether Nashville was Nashville or they were Nashville. Uh so they were they just ended up being the the shell of former Nashville. Um no longer whether they stand- were
1: Smashville or Nashville.
2: Yeah. Uh they're no longer a cup contender. They're barely a playoff contender. I think Nashville's heading for a rebuild, but nonetheless we're here to talk Arizona and Colorado. Definitely going to probably be the most fun series to watch here because I think this one is the most up in the air. Like, you know, you talk about uh, Columbus-Tampa Bay. You know, Columbus got the upset last year, so it's totally feasible that uh, Columbus could win this year. Carolina versus Boston, obviously a rematch as well. Calgary versus Dallas, you know, Calgary is definitely the hotter team. Chicago super hot. Vegas also looks pretty strong, so that one's a bit of a toss-up as well. But for this one, I genuinely could – Go either way. Colorado has the better scoring. Meanwhile, Arizona's got the better goaltending and prob- I think they'd have the better defense. And I mean, obviously Oliver Ekman Larson, one of the best defenders in the league, he played pretty good in that first series there against Nashville. So I like to see them keep that hot streak up. Um, and I like to always say it kind of comes down to whose weakness debilitates them more. Will it be Colorado's goaltending and their defense, or will it be Arizona's scoring? when you have a guy like Taylor Hall and you have Clayton Taylor and you have uh, Phil Kessel, you've got that nice blend of, you know, Phil Kessel being your, more of your leader, more of your veteran guy, Taylor Hall being your more well-rounded player, you know, he kind of brings both the experience and the skill. Whereas Clayton Keller is your energetic young guy who can lead his own line, but he can also play second field to a Taylor Hall or a Phil Kessel That team composition is going to be very important for them in this series because Colorado has that team composition with McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen. Um, Definitely a formidable line to play. I honestly think Arizona can get this upset again. I just – man, it's so hard to take Arizona here because I think Colorado can pull this out as well. You know what? Yeah, I'll go Arizona. Definitely going to go to seven, though. Seven games for Arizona. I think that this is a – team. actually, you know what? If we go back – I, I can get screenshots of this. I had Arizona in the cup like five months ago or some shit like that. I was like, yeah, Arizona can make the cup. So, you know, what? I'll, I'll ride that. I'll ride five months ago, Miles, even though he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Probably it's probably, you know, under the influence per se, but, uh, Arizona I think can pull this one out.
1: Yeah. That's uh. You might've been the only person in the world who, who made that prediction five months ago. But Jeff, what do you think about, uh, <laughs> Colorado versus Arizona?
0: Well, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Darcy Kemper looks hot right now, but I've seen a lot of Darcy's career, and he can get real hot, and then he can just fall off the planet. And that's that's always been the issue with his uh, goaltending career. Another threat is that it's one thing to be facing guys like Philip Forsberg. It's another to be facing guys like Nathan McKinnon. And uh, when you've got a guy on the back end uh, running the power play like Kale McCarr it's just that much more dangerous and I don't know if Kemper can really keep up with that kind of offense. Maybe he can and he could completely shut me up but um, as it stands now, I don't know that Hull, Kessel, Keller, uh, Dvorak, I don't know that they're even in the same league as the kind of offense that Colorado is about to bring.
1: I'm, uh, I'm probably the lowest on Colorado. I like to actually see teams do something before they uh, get named contenders uh, like they Good on them. They upset the Flames last year and then they went out the next round. So I was like, do something, go a couple rounds and then I'll get on board with you being a contender. But I don't think Arizona has any kind of chance here at all. I don't even think the only thing Arizona has over Colorado is team defense. I don't even think their on paper defense is better than Colorado's is. And, you know, I think we're underselling what Grubauer and Frank Coos can do in that too. They're they're both stud goalies. So I don't think I'm going to go Colorado in four, honestly. I think Colorado is just going to walk right over these guys. Final Western matchup, though. Vancouver versus St. Louis. Jet, your guys, they got by one tough matchup in Minnesota. That's exciting. Do they have any else left in the tank? Do you think they can uh, sneak past the defending cup champs? Not likely.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's just such an experienced team. They've been together for so long. For the longest time, this very group was just waiting for a goalie. They've got that goalie now in Jordan Binnington. Uh, I think the Canucks are just trying to find their footing, post-Sedin era, and they're trying to see what kind of team they're going to be. Uh, I love that they got this experience in the qualifying round to play a meaningful series and get through it, see what that feels like. Um, I guess anything's possible when you've got a goalie like Markstrom, who's been great for the last two years. But um, – I don't know. Like that's such a tall task. I was really really hoping in that, that Blues and Dallas game that uh Blues could have won that, but unfortunately they didn't. So we match up against them and well, I guess we just see what happens, but yeah, I think Blues probably win this in
1: five, maybe six. Yeah, I think uh, I think my my prediction's uh I think I'm going with five. I think Vancouver will sneak out one win, but it won't be particularly close.
2: Oh, man, uh, for me, I'm just wondering, can Vancouver take that energy that they had and, like, uh, I'm just thinking in that game against the Wild where they eliminated them, that last, what was it, like five minutes where they just lit them up, can they kind of capture that and turn it into something that could last be 10 minutes, spread that out and just start decimating St. Louis that way? Um, I mean, Dubnyk is obviously, you know, past his prime. Duke Nick is not devin dubnik anymore uh and you know you you get a rising star like jordan bennington this guy's not going to be rusty this guy's not a shell of anything he's in fact coming into his own more or less he's a stanley cup winning goaltender he's coming off a great season definitely one of the stronger guys you're gonna have to go against can vancouver's offense capture that energy and just start debilitating him probably they probably could I just don't think it'll happen. I definitely think they need that experience. I think they need to learn how to channel um, sort of that chemistry together and then get those goals in super fast. Uh, but against a guy like Bennington, who's also coming into his own and learning like, Vancouver, like a lot of Vancouver's guys are, um, I just don't see it happening. And obviously there's defense all around in St. Louis from the forwards, to the actual defensemen. It's just going to be hard to score on them. I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of low-scoring games because St. Louis' offense isn't typically pretty great, unless Tarasenko or uh, – I do they still have Perron? I think so. Unless one of those couple guys gets going, O'Reilly can score too. Uh, but I think you're going to see a lot of 2-1, 3-1, 4-2 kind of games. Um, but St. Louis, I also think, pulls us out. I think Vancouver can rattle off a couple. I'll say St. Louis in
1: six. And down to it, we just got two more playoff matchups left out in the east. Uh, so Wednesday also features the Islanders versus Washington. Are the Capitals too deep uh, for the Islanders to handle, or can New York's uh, surprising season continue? Uh, what do you think, Miles?
2: Man, Islanders once again another surprise team last year. Who did they knock off? I forget who they knocked off in the first couple rounds. Or no, they I think they got past the first round like Pittsburgh. I think it was Pittsburgh. They knocked off Pittsburgh in the first round last year and everyone was like, "Holy crap, the Islanders they beat Pittsburgh." And I was like, "Yeah, the Islanders could do it. They don't have a superstar, but they have a good rounded team. They're deep. They're not I don't think that their depth is better than Washington's, but they're pretty deep too. They can definitely contend with a guy like Ovechkin and then you go down to a line with Kuznetsov and then you go down to a line with fucking whoever else is on Washington um there's probably so many guys you can name off there but I really like what the Islanders have been doing I think they could pull off the upset Washington you know went from winning the cup to getting bounced in what one round I don't know that's a very hot and cold team the Islanders were pretty consistent I picked a lot of upsets though so I think I'll stay the course this one I'll say Washington but in seven games
0: yeah I uh repeatedly pick against these Islanders and I'm repeatedly told that I know nothing about hockey. So um, (laughs) I'm a little bit conflicted here. Um, I think Washington's the better team on paper, but Holtby and the rest of the Washington goaltending has been suspect at best throughout the year, uh, which is super important. important. Uh, Semyon Varlamov has been great for the Islanders. Barry Trotz is an incredible coach. Matthew Barzell looks better every single day. I just think that um if the Islanders can get hot for four games, you know, at any given point in this, even if they're down 2-0, they could just rattle off a series win against Washington and that's why I think I'm going to go Islanders for the upset in 7.
1: I view the Islanders as kind of like Arizona East where they just play like a, a just solid defensive team game and then they just get kind of scoring from whoever can chip in whenever they can. And so i I do like the way they play. I just you know I, I'm not one to make you know make a mountain of a, out of a molehill for these uh bubble teams. like they they might not have even made the playoffs if it continued out the right, uh, the way it was going. Um, I think Washington just by far the better team. I don't think Washington's going to do too much this year like in general, but I think they're going to move past the first round, and I think it's going to be six games for for the capitals. And finally, to close out our show, we got the other 12 seed that upset a five seed, Montreal. They're playing the Flyers who, as we mentioned at the start of the show, have looked amazing in the round robin. Take it for what you will, the round robin, less uh, important games, So maybe teams weren't really checked into them the way they should be, but can't discredit how good they've looked uh, in the playing round. But also can't discredit how good Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens looked uh, playing with like nothing to lose. Um, so can can Price steal a few and, and get them uh, deep in this round? Or or is it just going to be Flyers continuing their success from the round robin? Uh, what do you think? Well, that was
0: the nice thing about that whole play-in thing was there was only five games. So if Carey steals one or two, well, then you are almost going to win the series just because of that alone. Uh, you're in a lot more trouble when Kerry has to do it four times, which he very much will. Uh, these, uh, these Canadians just don't have the firepower necessary uh, to really bang with a team like the Flyers that is loaded with offensive talent. And like I uh, touched on earlier, the Flyers in those three games against other top four teams weren't letting goals up, and that's huge. So if they can stop goals going in from actual – top tier teams what hope does montreal have of scoring carry's gonna have to stand on his head if anything's gonna work but i got the flyers in five
1: yeah same same exact here flyers in five for me you know
2: what what if i came back just to you guys what like six seven months ago and i was like hey listen here the first round of the playoffs you're gonna see the flyers is the number one seed going up against montreal You would have told me to fuck off and never talk about hockey ever again. So I think this is a super unexpected series. No one would ever, ever thought in a million years we'd be seeing Philadelphia and Montreal. And not only that, but seeing Philadelphia as not just the favorite in the series, but as the number one seed. It's just so crazy to me to see how far this team came this season. And I once again, this is something I've talked about before it's just mesmerizing to see them just make that evolution so quick to becoming uh, going to a team that had a lot of prospects and going into that rebuild to suddenly becoming that contender that, you know, they probably were going to end up being, but just transforming into that so fast. Um, I just wonder if it was too fast, you know, are they ready for the playoffs yet? Are they ready to be the number one seed? They look like they're ready, right? That, you know, like we said, the play round—they aren't. they aren't, they weren't supposed to be the number one seed. They won it. They took it for themselves. They get to play Montreal, a team who, um, like Jet said, doesn't really have the firepower, but they're a little more experienced. And how much does experience matter in the playoffs? Quite a bit. Um, but I think a guy like Giroux, he's been there. Gostespierre, he's been there. Uh, Couturier, he's been there. Uh, I'm sure they got a couple other guys. Uh, I'm just, you know, struggling to remember most of Philadelphia because they've been irrelevant for the most part of uh, the time I've watched hockey. I think Philadelphia can not only destroy Montreal, but destroy whoever they play next round. I think Philadelphia is a super scary team. Philadelphia in
1: four. All right. Uh, uh, that's our show today uh, from myself, Miles, and Jed, and everyone at Blue Collar Media Group. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you again next week. Go Knox.
2: Go uh, uh, Arizona.